Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kirikidis, joined by my co-host as usual, Keith Glasser. Keith, how are we doing? Great. How are you? Excited. We have uh, another very special guest on today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over to you since you two are located in the same town, city of Rochester. I'm gonna kick it over to you for the introduction. Yeah, um, special guest tonight. Um, very, very close friend of ours, very close friend of mine. Um, often, often referenced on this show. Um, I'm currently wearing one of the the other hats that um, they were the double A team for that we I got last year. Uh, but tonight we have a very good friend of ours, um, longtime listener, first time guest, um, the triple A pitching coach for the uh, St. Paul Saints in the Minnesota Twins organization, Pete Larson. Petey, thanks for joining us, bud. Fellas, what is up? Finally did it. Took a while. Yeah. yeah. Ah, it's a, you play like 160 games. It's a, it's a long season for you. 150. Nah, close enough. We're splitting hairs at that time. Yeah. Um, but no, we're super excited for you to be here. Um, it's going to be a little, we were talking before the, you know, as Jonathan likes to say, the pre-show. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a different podcast, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, uh, you know, talk about your kind of your path and, and, and where you started and where you currently are. And then, um, you know, your insight and things and, you know, not only from a college, but also a, a pro ball standpoint that I think is, is ultimately super valuable for people because, you know, ultimately I think like the three of us, when we were playing, when we were kids, like you, you, you do want to play pro ball eventually. Like, and what does that look like? You know? So, um, if you can, before we, uh, get going and, and put you on the hot seat, I guess we'll, we'll start it now and turn the heat up a little bit, but give the listeners just a rundown of, you know, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, uh, very long journey. I'll try and keep it uh, keep it brief and uh, try to just hit the main points. But uh, grew up uh, in the same hometown as another former uh, podcast um, guy, uh, Eric Suplee. Grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, we actually played middle school together. Shout out Berkeley Bulldogs, one of the best middle school teams in the history of Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, Won the district, took it home. Eric just killed it, killed it on the mound. It's also a shortstop. Uh, I was the in seventh grade, so seventh graders didn't really get to play that much. Uh, so I got to watch a lot, uh, pitching some mop up games. And uh, yeah, that was one of the uh, most legendary middle school teams probably out there. Um, we didn't go to the same high school. Uh, we went to rival high schools, went to Lafayette High School. Um, and then from high school, went to Farham College, Southwest Virginia, Division Three school. Um, not really known for, um, you know, it's not a big campus, um, not very, not high academic, but a lot of tradition, uh, really good athletics, uh, studied business, uh, more accounting based uh, when I was there. Um, had some fun teams. I was hampered by injuries most of my career there. I uh, had Tommy John my freshman year, so I missed, based on the timing of the injury and the rehab, uh, maybe a slight misdiagnose uh, from a doctor there. Uh, missed two years. So by the time I actually got to play, it was my third year. Um, and I just I was just really behind 
Um, and so I, I got more experience in summer ball. So I was very fortunate to get, get a, a couple stints in some good summer leagues, which helped me kind of accelerate and catch back up. I uh, ended up having a good senior year uh, out of the bullpen. Uh, parlayed that into a couple opportunities with some independent league teams. Did that uh, very brief stints. Glad I did it. Glad I pushed myself to keep it going. Felt like I was just, you know, with all the injuries and, and whatnot, just kind of, I never didn't reach, reach the full potential. I just wanted to try and keep pushing as long as I could. Um, so finished up and like everybody, you know, graduate college. Uh, I did the extra year because of the injury stuff. And then now what? Um, so I got a couple of different sales jobs, moved, moved around the state of Virginia a little bit, uh, following those. Um, Got re uh, reached out by a um, buddy. I was playing in an adult uh, wood bat league on Sundays just to hang around some guys from high school and just you know keep it going a little bit. No real you know goal in mind other than it's Sunday. We're going to get together. We're going to play some baseball. Uh, one of the guys was the head co um, head varsity coach at Jamestown High School where Eric Suplee went. Helped him out for two years while I was working. Uh, I got a new job, relocated to Richmond, Virginia. Um, and I was pitching coach over at the collegiate school, uh, private school right outside of uh, Richmond and had a really good experience those three years. I think uh, I knew coaching was probably more for me when it was got close to three o'clock, three thirty. And I knew, hey, it's time to get over to the field. It's time to get over to practice. I looked forward to doing the small things, dragging the infield, painting bases, setting up, breaking down. Um building those relationships with those kids and the families and seeing them grow. And part of that process too, I thought was really cool. Um, Andrew Slater was the head coach there. I think extremely highly of him, uh, baseball family coached in college knew what it took. And he just, one day he came up to me, he's like, I think you could do this in college. And I think you might be able to make a run at this It's kind of a career. You're not going to make much money, but, um, you know, see, put your name in for a few things. Um, had another, you know, we had a mutual friend, uh, Matt Kirby, who's at UVA. Curbs needed some help with camps. So I was helping out in the summertime, uh, coaching a travel team and then running up there, helping them out with youth camp, kind of just, you know, herding the kids around and, um, help out with the prospect camp. Prospect camp got to meet a lot of the college coaches. Part, somehow parlayed that into my first gig, uh, at King University Division II school in Bristol, Tennessee. We had played uh, King when they were NAIA when I was at Farron. We played a midweek, uh, close enough, a couple hours, not not too bad for a midweek game. Uh, other than that, I knew not, you know, didn't know much of it. Um, another small school right there in the foothills of the mountains and in a beautiful campus, uh, more of a commuter kind of school. They had some online stuff, um, but really good first, you know, eye-opening fall for me. I thought I knew what it took. To coach in college i was extremely just i couldn't have been more wrong in like my first month uh, a lot more went into it than i initially thought uh i didn't think it was going to be like high school where you show up at three for a, a four o'clock practice uh a lot more went into it and that's once i got the you know i got i just maybe more my feet on the ground and got into the flow of things um went on the first recruiting trip which for me was great. It was a junior college event in Indiana. Uh, myself and the pitching coach went out and he gave me, you know, it was a long car, a long car ride. Uh, so we got a 
you know, he gave me the laydown on you know what to expect, what to look for, what we're looking for. Really good crash course. He kind of let me go. He dropped me off at one of the multiple sites, and then we'd reconvene later, uh, compare notes, cross check on guys. Uh, so he already had reports on some guys or some intel from some coaches. And then he's just like, yeah, like this is like you know adding up and matching up, and we're on the same page. And from then on, it just kind of hit the ground running. Um, I was a little older, having not coached right out of uh, right out of college at the college level. So they recommended I try and get a summer job uh, in a wood bat league to try and accelerate that. Might look a little bit better on the resume. Um, obviously, you coach more games, but you can work with different you know kids from different schools. It helps with the networking. Um, so I went in blind on that. I actually had a slight connection, uh, GM from a team that I played for in the coastal plain league he was out there but i didn't know he was there um kind of just shot out a bunch of emails and i ended up in uh, madison wisconsin with the mallards really cool experience um i helped with the pitching at king but i was kind of all over the place help with the hitters help with the outfielders uh throwing bp hitting fungos kind of just wherever they needed um help i was kind of filling in that gap uh we had a bar scene and a jv team so Kind of a little more of a role on the the junior varsity uh, in terms of you know going on the road and you know if the varsity team was staying back and stuff like that. So got a really good experience at King, but I wanted to run my own pitching staff um, and just see what that you know the day to day stuff would look like uh, if I were to do it on my own. And the Northwoods League is kind of a gauntlet. It's 60 something games and I can just say 60 something days. <laughs> I don't think we got many days off. Um, when we did, it was for this all-star game, all-star week thing, but we ended up coaching games in that anyway, cause it was at our place. Um, but got to coach guys, division one, two, three, Juco, all levels, um, from all over the country, different philosophies. They're coming from different backgrounds. And then I'm essentially just managing their workload, communicating with their coaches on the expectations, what they're looking for, uh, managing all the you know pitch counts and inning requirements they might have had. Um, but we had a blast, had a good summer, a good season, made it to the playoffs. Um, as with every college coach, you know, starting out, you're looking not looking for the next one, but um, you know what else could be out there or a better opportunity. And for me, I just, I got, I hit the bug with the pitching coach role and I wanted to run my own staff, keep running my own staff. Uh, so I put in for a few jobs that they would allow me to do that. Uh, didn't really matter the level. So I put in for a few, uh, I got towards the end of that Northwood summer, getting ready to head back to King and had been recruiting some Juco guys that I saw in summer ball. Uh, Tony Rossi gave me a call. Shoot. I don't know. Uh, June, maybe late June, July, we had a couple calls. Um, I know he's been on the show, so I actually talked to him this morning. Um, but he, we had a really good phone, initial phone conversation, had a follow up. Uh, he was actually, he'd reached out to non references, which is a big thing of his, which I think is, it's unique, uh, very much old school. Uh, you, send in your resume and you got you know, probably three people that know you really well and can vouch for you. But he didn't really care about those guys. He wanted people, you know, that you might've crossed paths with, uh, that 
you know, was going to give you a better representation, non-biased. And, uh, I think that obviously it checked out. Um, but I went there division one school, uh, upstate New York, but I was the unpaid second assistant. So very unique, uh, with the realm of division one. Um, you can, I was one of the recruiting coaches, but could not, uh, I didn't get paid. So very unique. Yeah. You're the same spot. Yeah. So not, uh, not glamorous. It's not like, uh, probably what kids see on TV and think, uh, initially, but for me, I thought it was great. I still had a bunch of money saved from, uh, from working previously uh, in my sales jobs. And I was like, I can float it for a year, see where it takes me. Uh, so I wrote it out for this, uh, fall and spring there. Great experience. Learned again, learned, a t- uh, learned a ton. Um, Helped out with some hitting, but I was the primary pitching coach, coach first base during games, which just gives you another set of a different perspective. Um, had to rush a little bit when I'm talking to pitchers and catchers in between innings to make sure I threw on the skull cap and, and get over there. But, uh, not just, I can't speak, you know, Keith's gone into it in detail and some other guys on here have gone into it on detail and how awesome and impactful, uh, Tony Rossi is. And, it, I just, it's it's hard to put in a few words, but just the utmost respect for the way he ran us, um, let us grow, let us fail, try things. He would interject if uh, if he's like, I I don't know about this. Can you explain it to me? And then more often than not, he all right, yeah, I'm in. Just but he wanted to know, understand why, and um, which I think is great. Like I always am looking for feedback and how I can do something better, or if it looks weird, different. Uh, I think some things probably around, uh, that was in 2016, 15, 16. So things are starting to get a little weird with plyo balls, bands, and like this whole uh, takeover of what pitching is now, um, which someone like, you know, guys our age and guys we're pretty close with uh, started to gravitate towards uh the kids we're recruiting and coaching are interested in it. They're going to academies and they're finding these places. So we have to be in tune on it. And uh, so he had a lot of questions on that just because it was, you know, foreign, uh, foreign to him, but uh, he was still learning. So I thought that was really cool too. Um, from Siena, I went uh, really far and across town to U Albany. Um, Kind of just stumbled into that. They had an opening um, late, probably maybe not late, uh, earlier in the summer. Um, had met the head coach on the road, met the assistant. Um, I forget, we were somewhere locally recruiting, watching a summer game, and uh, the assistant asked if there was any interest. And you know, at that point, I was like, you know, is it paid or what are we what are we looking at? And he's like. No, there's, you know, stipends and benefits. And I was like, all right, yeah, like, I love Sienna. I love Rossi. Um, his whole gist is to get you in, groom you and get you out. Um, so I called him, said, you might get a call on this. And I think Mueller already did. So by the time I uh, could tell coach, he was, he was already in, in the works with it. Uh, so for the, the following year, the 16, 17 season, I was at U Albany. Um, same role. Second assistant, recruiting, pitching. Um, and we were trying, you know, not the greatest facilities, but made it work. Um, some guys that are, there's a different kind of kid than Sienna. Um, 
more is an a state school. So we're getting in state kids. Uh, recruiting was a little bit different. Uh, we were going out, extending that branch a little bit in the Northeast. Um, but for the most part, we were trying to focus on in-state kids, knowing that that'd be, you know, in the financial interest that we could package really well there. And, you know, the baseball money, which I'm sure if we get to any of the recruiting, you know, ins and outs of it, it just financially, it worked out for a lot of in-state kids that might've gotten baseball money at other schools. Like if you stay in state and live off campus at one of the baseball houses or whatnot, like you can actually pay less and not get a baseball scholarship, um, which ended up being great, you know, recruiting tool and different ways to communicate to the kids. So I thought that was another, uh, it was a really good experience uh, for me. And um, we had a good season, better than a lot, you know, a couple of previous ones made a nice run uh, into the tournament too. Got bounced though. I think one of the last, last day ended up losing to um, uh, Maine who ended up going to the championship and they lost, I think UNBC that year. Um, great summer recruiting, bounced all over, worked some different camps. Um, got to know some more people and guys are moving into campus, uh, end of August. And I get a call from Kevin Layton at Fordham. Uh, their pitching coach had just taken another job and he said, uh, I know it's late in the summer, but is there any interest? And, uh, you know, like a, lo- a bunch of guys that have been on here and some, you know, former guests, uh, you know, like Rob or Jimmy, you know, they had stops at Fordham, uh, high academic. It's an, Siena is more academic than U Albany, um, but it, you know the recruiting wasn't nationwide, and that was something that Kev and Rob and Jimmy they had built over those years is to it, to build that brand and get kids from all over the country to to come to New York City, the Bronx, and get that city experience. Um, they thought it was extremely valuable for the team aspect, and that's what they thought of first. You know, we're not going to recruit. Florida kids for the sake of recruiting Florida kids. It's let's bring some Florida kids together with the Maryland, the Connecticut, Texas, and let's get some California kids in there and mesh them all together. And it was just a really cool, unique experience. And recruiting was a ton of fun. Um, Obviously get to hang out with Rob and and Kev and, and do that. And then live in New York city and experience the city life a little bit. Um, We had, well, we had a lot of success, uh, started to build something really good. Um, maybe not, maybe got bounced a little too early. The, our first year in 18 in the tournament, uh, came back really excited about the guys we had coming in. Uh, I was fired up. So I got to be a part of that class too. Um, so fall of 18, spring of 19, we could start to see the makings of, uh, a really good team. Um, coming together and making a run at that A-10 um, championship, which they ended up doing uh, in the spring, which was really cool. Um, I ended up watching that because during the fall, um, there just was this unique uh, pro baseball was just, it was a weird state that year. A lot of pro teams were looking for college coaches, specifically guys, maybe at some facilities. Um, They were looking for guys that, I think to sum it up, uh, they were looking to develop differently. Um, maybe a little more progressive, just thought outside the box, get outside of the traditional ways of, uh, Hey, and this isn't a knock on anyone, you know, in general, but this is what, you know, 
when I was coming up and playing, this is what we did. So we're going to keep doing this, or this is what we've been doing as an organization for years. Um, we're just going to keep, keep it going kind of thing. And teams have no problem doing that for years. A lot of organizations had success. Uh, but then there was a few teams specifically that were looking to do, do things a little bit differently. Um, through a, uh, friend of a friend, a mutual um, connection from coaching at King, met him, uh, he was at Tusculum at the time. Uh, I was recruiting in Florida, Fort Myers, everyone's favorite fall event, because you don't know if it's going to be sunny or it's going to rain. Uh, it ends up raining and there's a lot of lightning delays. Um, actually ran into him. Um, we're waiting out a rain delay. His brother-in-law was coaching a team out of Missouri. And so we ended up just catching up, been a few years. Um, I knew he was with the twins, um, but he had given, passed along the, uh, name and contact of our farm director. I uh, said, Hey, we're looking for, you know, we're looking for guys that think like you think differently, look at training and developing in a different light. Um, there might be pro baseball might be an option. You know, I was, ex I was just thrilled to be, you know, a division one pitching coach. I thought that was really cool. And didn't really think, you know, I didn't play pro ball uh, or affiliated ball. Um, I just was like, yeah. So threw my uh, threw my name in the ring. Um, pretty extensive interview process. I think it was five five phone calls. Um, I actually got approached by another organization towards the end of that. But I was pretty far along with the Twins, um, and then I took a pitching pitching role. Uh, what they ended up offering was the rehab pitching coach position. Um, I would begin, I would be based in Fort Myers at the, uh, spring training complex. I'd be in charge of, uh, the, all the on-field activities for all the arms, uh, going through, uh, rehab, whether it's, you know, something like a strain or the long term where it was surgery based. Um, and getting those guys back on the field and, executing their throwing programs and getting them back out there into competition. Uh, so that was what I initially thought it was, which it was to a certain extent, but I also had position players too. So days were pretty, pretty packed. It kind of brought me back to my first stop at, at King where hitting fungos at nine in the morning to pitch or catch at nine 30, um, maybe some BP with some of those other guys or, um, running a hitter to across town to JetBlue for a rehab game, um, kind of just bounced around and it gave me time, uh, personally to learn the ins and outs of affiliated baseball. Uh, there's a lot of technology that was, you know, as I mentioned in you know, 15, 16, starting to come in into play. Um, but I got, you know, I got to ask a ton of questions, a lot of smart people here and kind of get in at the beginning. It's like, hey, we're we're, we're going to figure this out together. And I think that's kind of what this group, uh, the last, uh, just finished my fifth year now, but that's kind of what we were doing. Like, we got some toys, we have some cool things, and we're going to try some stuff because um, we have some, we believe we have smart people and, you know, we have some, we're not getting, uh, you know, we're not spending the most money uh, every year. Um, we have to hit on the draft. We have to develop some of these guys and, and make them you know, into something and develop impact big leaguers in some shape or form. Um, so after my first year, I think it was just the, it was my way of getting in. Uh, ultimately, I knew I wanted to get back in the dugout and, and all that. And they were very aware of it. Um, in 2020, 
slated to be in low A. Um, season didn't happen, obviously, and uh, we were coaching and doing stuff remotely. Um, Twenty, fast forward to twenty one. Uh, went back to low A. Really good experience because we were in, still in Fort Myers. Uh, so we had the full run of the spring training stadium, all the toys that we had there. Um, good season, winning record, got a lot of guys better, got a lot of guys promoted, um, specifically on the pitching side. But it was a lot of fun, too. Um, coming off the missed year, a lot of energy, a lot of uncertainty. Um, we were playing in different formats with the six-game series. Every Monday was off. It was just, it was just different. Um, which, sure, why not? After a really weird missed year, uh, let's let's do something different. Um, and then after that season in 21, 22, I was in Double uh, A, which is in Wichita. Uh, was our second year. Yep, I had Keith Swearing. Um, second year at that stadium, beautiful ballpark, really cool league, Texas league. So I got to be in a different part of the of the country. Um, Another good season, made it to the playoffs, uh, lost in the championship series. Um, and then after the season, um, found out I was going to AAA for this season, 23. And for me, as you know, I try and do better the year before and keep moving up, keep advancing. That's the goal. Uh, goal is to get to the big leagues, but, uh, end up, you know, through these five years, kind of been going up with the same group of guys. I think that's been a really cool, you know, byproduct of all this. And it kind of makes it feel like college a little bit, um, where you recruit them and you're, you're part of their lives and you know a lot about them. And, um, you've seen some, you, we've tried a bunch of things on the field and some stuff didn't work and being open and like, Hey, this might not, this might not be it, but like, we're going to give it a try and, um, see what sticks kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, so we just finished up uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the 23 season. I think pretty successful. Uh, some different, you know, wins and losses are cool, but, you know, getting guys their first big league debut. Uh, we're 15 minutes from the big league stadium. So seeing guys that are part of that, um, how fast that happens, um, the promotions, the call up, send up, send downs, everything is, it's just faster. Um, so no matter how much, People try to give me a heads up before it's like, you know, being a pitching coach at, in AAA is it's kind of a whirlwind. And um, I got a crash course in that in April, third week of the year. And I think we lost three starters, uh, two promotions uh, in a four day stretch. So you're piecing that together. Uh, it's not like college where you have 17, 18 arms. So we're rolling with uh, you know, 13, 14 and trying to piece that together with bullpen games that a last minute notice and getting creative with that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a part of it, but it was, uh, yeah, it's the closest thing to, to the big leagues. And for us being 15 minutes, I thought it was a even more unique experience. So long winded, a lot of stops, uh, a lot of growing, a lot of you know, some failure mixed in there too. Um, but a lot of fun. And when I started out coaching in high school, it was like, all right, see what I can do in five years. And, just kind of reevaluate every five years and it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. the, the big thing is we have a lot of coaches that listen to this too, like, or people who want to coach or they think like it's uh, it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time in this business. And you, you gotta, 
you know, I hate this term, but you do have to grind it out a little bit. And you're the, the walking embodiment of that. Like you started in high school and you're one step away from coaching the big leagues, which is awesome. I'm super proud of you and very happy to be a very good friend of yours. Um, go ahead, Andy. You were going to ask a question. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Oh, no, I was just going to give an emphatic hell yeah. Like it's it's been cool to just be – a part. I, I don't even want to call it parks. I don't want to take. There's no credit taken, but it's been cool to watch you climb the ladder and like knowing who you are and how you think and just what kind of dude you are. Like you've earned every bit of it, but to you know to be able to be like, yeah, my my buddy's a AAA pitching coach and he's awesome. Like it's a cool. It's just cool, man. Like we've been here, you know, watching you make this climb, and um, we know it hasn't always been easy, but for you to get where you are, like. It's because you're awesome at what you do and you're just a fantastic human being. So, yeah, just want to add that before we – we'll get sappy for a second before we get into the into the fun stuff and start picking your brain. But Appreciate it, guys. No, it's it's the support because you're gone for seven months. So it's, you know, friends, family, all that you know, kind of gets you through, you know, the, the, t- the low points, I guess, or the where it feels like it's longer. But, uh, no, appreciate it, fellas. First question I want to ask, because one of the things I think that there's a gap with high school kids sometimes is the preparation piece for a start, right? Like you watch a lot of guys, they're going to start on Saturday for their high school game, and then they don't really have a plan for what the rest of it looks like. And I think that can be a really big adjustment for kids when they get to college is that every day is done very purposefully and i'd be curious if you could provide a high level of for a starter in triple a say start on start day what are those what's that week look like and like what are some of the things that you guys do and that you do as a pitching coach to help your guys prepare to be successful in that next start yeah i think uh one of the most common timelines is a three-day cycle and you're just repeating those three days and adjusting off an off day or a rain out uh, would be your only audibles. Um, so you'd have your day, you know, day zero or day one, however you want to count it. It would be uh, your start. So you pitch in the game. Next day, be a day after. Uh, lighter catch. Uh, for us, it's our heavier lift. Depending on how the starter wants to, to tackle that, if he wants to just, hey, I know I'm going to lift twice this week, but am I going to go heavy upper body one day? Uh, lower half the other, or um, are they in some sort of cycle with the strength and conditioning uh, department where they're doing two full bodies because they really need to flush out um, everything that the workload that they've accrued up to that point, uh, or it's the end of the year and it's like, I just need to do movement-based stuff and it might end up being a lot more mobility, uh, stretching, um, massage, you know, treatment, stuff like that, where we're just trying, not finish, but like, we're at the back end of this thing and we've been doing it for a long time and it's okay not to go uh, as heavy. So you have your a lighter day throwing. Uh, we give them the option of throwing, ply, go through their plyo routine uh, or play catch. Or if they want to do uh, both of those, they're going to cut back on volume on one or the other. Um, and that's a lot of ownership on them. You know, we're we're floating around in catch play and just making just making sure they're aware of like, hey, know where you're at and um, how your body 
Uh, I think Alan Yeager says it, you know, you know, listen to your arm and all that. I think that still holds very true. Uh, no matter the level, if you're hanging, it's important to move your arm uh, to a certain extent, but just stay within those guardrails and the limits that you know your body's telling you. Uh, day two would be our day before. So we're getting ready for our pen, uh, but we need to stretch it out. We need to get some of the, we didn't get all the soreness out from the day after. The day before, we're going to stretch it out a little bit, might go a little bit heavier um, in our plyo routine, might do some skill work, uh, something we didn't like mechanically. Uh, we can blend that with mound plyos, um, or we could do some stuff without it, you know, just dry work um, with some resistance training or just going through their, their motion and kind of talking through what they were feeling that last outing and let them fully recap and um that would be their day two. Might be some running involved on that one to split up the lift and the run. Um, and then they're getting ready for their pen on day three. So you're back to uh, your in the three day cycle, another high intent. Uh, so you're we encourage a lot of the same routine. So whether you know if you're a big mobility movement prep activation in the weight room prior to a start, let's keep that thing going with with the bullpen. Uh, keep that same consistent routine. So it's, it's not foreign to your body. And a lot of the stuff is, it ends up being routine. Um, so making sure we're hitting a lot of our check marks with our, uh, athletic training staff our strength and conditioning, are we hitting our certain, you know, are they too fatigued? Do we need to back off on vol uh, volume? It's a lot of communication that goes in between, in between starts and right before that bullpen. And then, Bullpen day can be some guys 15 pitches and as many as 35, 40, uh, depending on what we're trying to tackle. Um, a lot of our stuff is geared towards development and improving. So that could be, we could be blending in a pitch design, uh, for the first half of a pen and then an execution, the back half, uh, in preparation for that next opponent. Um, or we could run through sequences that didn't go well, um, in the previous start or outing. And then you repeat that cycle up until your start. So then you go a day after your pen, day before your start, and then you're starting again. Um, the way our scheduling is on the six day or six game series with the Monday off, uh, lower levels are pretty more pretty fluid with a six man rotation. We need to mirror uh, the big leagues, which is on a five. So we try and uh, there'll be a lot of Tuesday, Sunday starts. So guys get familiar with that cycle as well. And then we'll deload, um, throughout the year too and give guys some extra days as well. But I, for high school, and I stressed this when I was a high school coach, cause I want to make sure when they got to college, like know what long toss is for you, know what your day after should look like. What, what do you like in the bullpen? What do you want to get out of this? And, you know, have certain bullet points to attack. Um, it's kind of cool because a lot of the same stuff trying to do uh, as a high school coach and a college coach is we're keeping it simple with the guys here. We have way more information and way more resources so we can dive as deep as we want to go. Um, but it's the same concept, but, you know, high school kids listening, high school parents uh, or college kids, college, you know, parents too. It's the same thing. Identify that cycle that works for you. And I think the three day cycles, not anything, um, earth shattering but i think it's a good thing to to follow and you keep that cycle going it should fit into you know if you're pitching every friday for your high school team or 
every Tuesday. You just follow it on that, you know, wherever those days line up. But taking advantage of that because you, you might not always have practice or team opportunities to work on that stuff. So making sure, especially in the travel ball season, uh, you're able to get some side work in and, and stay on that schedule too. Yeah, that prep piece I think is I think it's important for performance, right? For for high school kids to get on that routine. But I think it's one of the things that we talk a lot about with with parents and with players is you want to play college baseball, you need to start thinking like a college baseball player. And like you need to start to wrap your head around what the bare minimum is or what your day or your week or your month is going to look like as a college athlete. And it just seems to me that pitching is one of those things in the travel ball industry and everything. And it doesn't help because you got kids that they start on Thursday and then they need to come back on Sunday so they can win the consolation round. And like some of that doesn't set them, some doesn't set them up for success, but I think high school, they fall into a fairly regular pattern. And I think one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of kids would benefit from just a little bit of structure. Like, this is what I do the day after. This is the day that I throw my pen. And stacking enough of those weeks together, you start to see a kid to develop more. And he doesn't, he's not just a thrower. Like, he's, he's worked on some stuff. He's, you know, to your point, like he can go into that bullpen and say, Hey, I, I really struggled with being able to get my fastball glove side last start. Like, I want to focus on that today. Um, I think for kids listening, it's, it's important to understand that routine matters, but I think it's also important to understand that the guys in AAA aren't doing things wildly different than what you can do in high school, and you can start to build in some of those basic principles. Absolutely. And, you know, the travel stuff is – it is what it is, uh, unfortunately, but some of the teams that do it right, hey, instead of throwing a bullpen Thursday, you're closing it out for us, and then we're going to try and get – three or four innings out of you on Sunday. And that, that still fits into the cycle. It's just, you know, the teams that do it really well and the coaches that are awesome about it, and we've all seen them. Um, we've seen them go the other way too, but the ones that do it well, it's like, hey, you're not going more than 30 in this one inning or 25, whatever it is. And I know some tournaments have rules on that too. And then, hey, it's three and 55 or 60 max. And like, how many outs can you get within that and still showcase? Um, I think it, you know, this, it can filter in the same cycle. It's just, you know, being mindful of the workload and you know, how many pitches are going into it. I think the other thing too, and you touched on it when you talked about the, the bull, like when you throw your bullpen in between starts, you know, I think it happens in college and clearly it happens at the pro ball level too, is you start to try to iron out things that you may not have liked on your previous start. And sometimes it might be you're feeling it and your lights out and you're just going to try to continue to feel that groove. But I think especially younger players, sometimes that you're not, you might not be as you're, you're critical of yourself from the standpoint of like, well, I, I just, I, I don't really, I just got hit. And there's no, like, there's no, it's a surface level kind of like, I just have to, I have to, you know, we don't try to do anything different. We don't try to change up our routine. You know, and I, I think that sometimes when, you know, when you talk about like ironing out some mechanical stuff, like, you know, obviously at the the pro ball level and the college level, there's a lot more technology and a lot more that you can do in order to kind of get in depth on that stuff. But I think when you're younger, sometimes like you, you, you need to, 
have somebody with you or around you that can go a little bit deeper than just like there was a bad outing. And sometimes that's going to be the case, but like your bullpen should be something that is more geared towards you, not only getting prepped to throw your start, but also like, let's iron out some things that we didn't like that we need to get better. Like maybe my, my O2 changeup that I really like to throw was horrible last outing. Like I'm going to throw a bunch of O2 changeups in this bullpen to try to get that to where I want it to be. Or, you know, my OO breaking ball, I couldn't flip a breaking ball to save my life. Like, all right, let's, let's focus on a couple more OO breaking balls set up down the middle and just flip them in there and see what we can do there. You know, and I, I feel like that gets lost, you know, because I remember when I was coaching, like you do it with some freshmen in the fall and it's like, well, like, why? Like, well, because I just watched you throw on Saturday and like, you couldn't throw an OO breaking ball to save your life. So like, if we're not going to actually practice this, like you're not just going to flip it on in the game. We need to actually do something to to create that habit of being able to do that stuff. And I think, you know, what you're driving at is exactly what younger kids, you know, if they're doing it at this level, like you should at least start trying to understand those things at the lower level so that you can make yourself better as well. Yeah, you know, just bare minimum, if you got three pitches, two of each, and then get into hitters. Start doing some counts, challenge yourself, and you can make it really basic too. Or hey, that like we got XYZ school coming up. They got, you know, three, four, and five are all lefties and they could all, you know, they got some juice too. Like, let's just work on, you know, left-handed hitters or, you know, you can make it really simple and basic, but still, you know, you're gearing and working towards something that's going to help benefit you down the road. Even if you feel like you're, you're in a groove and you can, uh, you know, maybe you don't have all those resources, but you can still game and practice for getting better or what's about the, you know, what you're about to face coming up. Right. It can be fun sometimes when you do it like that, right? Like if you're, if you're thrown with a purpose, right? Like in like, Hey, you know, this there three hole guy, there's a guy in scoring position. You know, I gotta, you know, this is the sequence I would go through in that spot and trying to execute it. And I think the other thing too, is that I think when you give kids, I think sometimes when you give kids fine focus, you can get better results because they're not just, Hey, let's, you know, let's go get our 25 off the mound today. Well, all right. Well, what is that? Even just breaking it down, like what's that 25 look like? The intent of it changes. And now you're developing without really thinking about it, just because you've, you've put a little bit of a finer focus on it. Um, Absolutely. It, it gets lost sometimes. What is the, um, I thought Andrew was going to ask a question. Sorry for that awkward pause there. Um, I, <laughs> what, like, what do you see because you've, you've coached at the college level and the professional level, like, you know, obviously the, the pro ball level is, you know, you hear a lot of guys talk about like, it's your career, right? Like you're kind of in charge of that process. Like, and you guys, like, you're still coaching, but like the, the play, like you're, you're going to be treated like an adult. You know, what What do you see at, or what have you seen at the pro ball level with guys that find success and like in their like what in their makeup gets those guys success at the college level? Like I imagine, or excuse me, at the pro ball level, like I imagine they're not the guys that like needed their hand held during college to like go to practice, go to lift, do extra stuff. Like they're guys that are kind of intrinsically self-motivated, but I could be dead wrong because I didn't play or coach pro ball. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, the, there's going to be guys that are just extremely gifted and they can 
kind of roll out of bed and, and go do it. Um, but the ones that it comes back to the routine and being consistent within that and they can, they're just consistent overall. They don't, it could go really bad or it could go really good and you don't, you don't know the difference. Um, they stay the same personality, demeanor on the mound. Um, it's, uh, there's something on MLB network a few years ago. It's talking about a starter in a season, you know, 30 starts, we'll say 10 are really good. Like lights out. You got everything 10 or you got a couple and 10 are really bad. And you got to find, like figure it out. Um, and that's, that's kind of sums up your season and you're like, all right, how many of the you know, 10 really bad ones can we kind of work through? Uh, but the good guys, the guys that are the most consistent and um, keep pushing, I think, are the ones that end up at the end of the year having um, they're rewarded, I guess, uh, probably be the best way of putting it. But it's they don't let the the highs get too high, the lows get too low uh, to be kind of corny with it. It's they're working, they're pushing. Um, they have really good stuff. They know it. They just have to exit. They just know yourself at a really high clip and what you're really good at. Um, and do that over and over again. If don't try and reinvent the wheel in the third inning because they're hitting you, they're just we're just gonna have to throw a different pitch, or we need to change the attack plan, or they're jumping you. Oh, oh, and we need to start mixing, or our a strategy going into the game from our pre start meeting is off. We need a audible in the second inning, like things happen. Um, but you're going, you're defaulting to your strengths. And you're using that 10 out of 10 times. It's just know yourself at a really high clip. And I think that's what we're, we try and do at an elite level is help these guys know what they're really good at and how to attack guys and sequencing and, you know, looking for things with the opponent. But it starts with them and the guys that can do that at a really high clip. Um, and consistently they end up having the most, uh, the most success and, you know, they might not realize it in the moment or during the year, but I think looking back on it and we're finishing up with some end of the year reviews and it's like, you were really consistent the whole year, like month by month, really good. You might not have had all the results you wanted, but you ended up with a really good season. And we have just a huge sample size of stats because of so many games and innings and pitches. It's like, if you just hang with the process and go off yourself, and we maximize those, like you're going to be in a really good spot come the end of September going into October. Yeah, I think it's I, 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 it's interesting to me because I think that there's a, such a small sample size, obviously, at the, the high school and, co and college level. But the I forget who I heard say it recently, but like it's like to be really, really good, like is to be boring because it is that consistency that you like, it's just showing up and doing, you know, what you need to do day in and day out. And I think the one thing that, that, that needs to be understood for, for kids who want to play in college, for kids who want to play pro ball, like it's like the bare minimum, isn't going to get you there. Like you're like, they're boring because they show up and they lift five, six times a week. They hit seven days a week. They feel like whatever their throwing program is, they know like it's, it's boring, but it works to your point, like stick with the process and you're going to end up being okay. But I think that there's, you know, it's, it's finding that part out about yourself 
in that process, right? Especially if you're younger, like it's, you know, we're obviously talking about some elite athletes here, but like when you're younger, it's, it's figuring out what works for you and then showing up and doing that day in and day out, which I think is, is the hard thing for the vast majority of people is, is to be able to do that day in, day out and trust that this is going to get me to where I, I eventually want to go. And for, for some people, it, you know, like you're never going to play pro ball and that's okay, but you could have a phenomenal college career in doing so. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, the end all be all doesn't have to be that you, like your success is defined by whether or not you play professional baseball. Um, you know, because the majority of people are not going to, um, you know, but that, that consistency piece in, in what you do in order to play at the highest level that you possibly can and, and find the success is I think, you know, really in, in anything it is that you do and specifically within baseball. Absolutely. That's it. Just they are boring and they're fun to watch and each day could be, you know, you know, it is, it is very monotonous, but like, you know, maybe for high school, college guys, you're looking at a month sample size. We can go week to week for, um, you know, starts if they're going, you know, six, seven innings, hundred pitches, uh, or every two weeks, just cause we get the volume and the sample size to build off that and high school. You might need a full month. You might need four starts um to try and see like is this working or what i need to change or improve on um for the next set you guys got all kinds of cool technology right and obviously trackman and rap soto and all that good stuff is a big part of baseball right now specifically the pitching side like i think the pitching side is is ahead of the hitting side from a metrics perspective and in some of the information that you guys are able to pull on and, and, and access. Everybody loves the, you know, the spin rates and the release points and all that kind of stuff for evaluation. But I'm I'm more curious because I think it's more applicable and I'd love to get hear your thoughts on it because you've been at the lower level of the minor leagues and you've been where things are a lot more developmental versus triple A where these dudes are, you know, a phone call away from going to the big leagues. How do you leverage that data on a day-to-day to help guys develop or keep them sharp? Like lower level, probably more the development piece and like what kind of things are you looking at to make adjustments? And then how are you leveraging that now with some guys that are less about development and more about performance? Yeah, so low levels – spot on um you know they come into the organization draft trade whatever um you know with a a good skill set um they're really good at some things and we just need to raise the floor on a few others um so we're we're tracking that um we can go in a training environment and see how that's trending we throw it in game see how it's trending in games you know after a sample size of you know a couple outings 100 so pitches like we can start to see what kind of trends is it working great let's keep doing it is it not working all right bag that and we're going to try something different a different grip a uh, different way of doing it triple a uh they're more i'd say a little more polished uh would probably be the best way of putting it but they're still developing uh they could be working on fine-tuning a third fourth pitch um or hey like i've been in the big leagues before and this mix isn't working and i'm i don't want to go i don't want to be an up and down guy i don't want to be i want to go back and i want to stay um what's you know 
the game is different than the last time I was up there. I need to be better at this, or I need to get to these certain zones and, um, you know, revamp the arsenal. Like there's every story is different at the higher levels. Uh, and it's, it's just piecing that together and seeing what their, what their journey is and what the, what the track is to get up there and be impactful. If we can fall back on that, it's like, we want you to be good and we don't want you to come back. Like, let's hold ourselves to that standard. And while we're working through this stuff, like, you know, this is what we're identifying as an organization. This is kind of what you came in, um, identifying that you want to work on and like kind of marriage the two, I guess. And, um, you know, see what that, what that avenue looks like. And then we're going to go outing by outing week by week. And then we'll sum it up each month on you know how we're doing and trending in that direction. Um, I think it's a really cool piece and probably something that gets lost a little bit that you, know, you can develop at a really high clip at these up at the upper levels and uh, the TV leagues, the TV league, the big leagues is there's probably some, you know, it's not developing up there because you're expected to go out there and compete, but I can guarantee there's you know some outings where some guys are not try something a little bit different um, than, you know, people might you know, think um, there's grip changes during the year. There's, some slight mechanical changes. It, it happens at every level. Um, they do get smaller and smaller uh, the higher you go. So I think that's the biggest thing to note. But the lower levels, absolutely. We're trying to get everything we can out of you know your uh, mechanics, make them efficient, uh, arm path, pitch design. We're trying to iron all that out. So as you climb, uh, there are difficulties to each level. And I think that's the beautiful thing about having, right now we have, I think it's, it's four full season and you have the rookie uh, complex league. Um, but each level you up, like the hitters get better uh, on the pitching side. Um, on the flip side, the hitters, you know, the pitching gets better. They're able to throw more strikes. They can locate off speed for strikes early and they can throw you some different stuff with two strikes. You have to protect on that. But on the pitching front, it's, you know, the hitters, they just have better approaches the higher you go. Uh, so stuff you might get away with in low A. You'll, you'll still get away with it sometimes in high A, uh, which is going to keep you, keep you in it, but you get, you start to see like, yeah, I might need that, that third pitch. And then you get up to double A and it's like, yeah, this mix isn't, this isn't helping. Uh, really going to have to change it up or think, you know, rethink how we're using all this stuff. Then you get to triple A and it's, you know, there's some lineups where most of those guys have played at the big leagues at some point. Um, and you're trying to get them out and it's no different than, uh, you know, the big leagues on some some nights, but uh, yeah, it's. I think it just sums it up. And the higher levels, there's still stuff going on, um, a lot of teaching, a lot of developing. But I think mastering, mastering yourself, I think is kind of the best way to sum up. Uh, you know, the upper levels compared to the lower levels, and equate the lower levels to like college. Um, you're trying to. You got to college for a reason. Maybe it's velocity. Maybe it's a really good fastball. Maybe it's a swing and miss breaking ball and you need to add velo. Uh, your coach coaches the recruit. You think like weight room and conditioning is going to help jumpstart, you know, some added velo and don't lose the breaking ball, man. It's only going to get better because you're going to throw harder. Um, so it could be you know, equated to those levels as well. It's interesting. I did one of the guys ahead of William and Mary. He made it up to AAA in the Blue Jays organization, and I was talking to him one offseason about because he was kind of making that steady climb, you know, like low A, 
Then he was full season. Then he was in double A. Then he was in triple A. I'm like, well, what's the difference in the levels? He's like, the stuff's not different. He's like, every level I go up, he goes, in some cases, the stuff might even go down a little bit. He goes, it's the polish. It's guys can cross count you. They can locate in multiple parts of the, the zone. And it's an interesting, just an interesting progression of how guys do get polished that he would say it was easy to hit in high A because if a guy got behind 2-0, he was just going to try to throw it as hard as he could. He goes, I get up to triple A and guy's throwing a 87 mile an hour slider in a 2-0 count. Like it completely changes the whole equation just because of the level of polish that's there. So that's interesting how they, they develop. You ever have guys come back from the big leagues and be like, oh shit, I need to make some adjustments. Like if I'm going to get like, because I've heard different things that sometimes guys go up there and it's like, all right, this is a whole different animal. And I wonder, like, do you have guys come back and be like, hey, Pete, I need, like, I got to make an adjustment if I'm going to stay up there. Yeah. I uh, had that on, you know, both sides of that. But uh, yeah, to answer the question, it's, you know, what got you there? Um, what are we going to do to keep you up there? And sometimes it's just, it is a numbers thing. Um, and it's more so, just the execution standpoint. Are you getting ahead? Are you staying ahead? Are you able to get in favorable counts? Um, to make, to be the aggressor and to, to stay on that front. Uh, or did you just fall behind? Like it's not a stuff thing. You just, you weren't in good counts. So, um, you know, challenging themselves or whatever this, the feedback was from the big league staff, sending them back down. Uh, I think they, that communication's key. Um, Obviously, we've seen them at our level before they go up. And then, you know, what did they see through their lens? And it could be a running game thing or it could be, you know, something else to touch on uh, coming back to to fine tune. And the next time they go up, uh, you know, it's not that they're not an option anymore. It's like, hey, we need to try and hammer this. And um, for however long you're here uh, until they need you again. And then when you go back up there, like this needs to be better. Um, so I think it's just keep the conversation going. and. On a lot of the guys, the ones that started with us and finished, you know, whether it's AAA or the big leagues, it's, it's a season long conversation. So you're just riding, you're riding it out the whole time. And there's going to be some peaks, valleys, all that stuff. And just how you, and it comes back to the, one of the earlier questions, just be consistent and, um, take care of what you need to. And that's getting ahead. That's, it's not going to change anytime soon. You know, getting ahead of all is going to, Put you in a way better situation than going one zero and having to fight back and thinking, you know, at least have that hitter think that he's got a shot. So throw strike one, it can go. You know, it's way more in your favor. You had um, you alluded to this earlier, and it's something that I've said on here a, a thousand times um, that the when you level up, it doesn't get easier. Um, it it generally gets a little bit tougher. Um, but what, like, it, it, what's the compete factor like in pro ball with, as like, you've gone through all of the levels, like, are they just like, do they compete in everything or is it just like, just a very guy to guy? Like, because at the end of the day, like you said, like, you got to get the big leagues, you got to figure it out and you're going to have to compete. If you have 10 starts where you're not good, you're going to have to figure it out some way, shape or form. Um, you know, but like how competitive are these, you know, how competitive are these people as just individuals? Yeah, I, big time. And it varies. And some are the quiet, you know, more reserved. They're not going to say anything until, 
it doesn't go their way and then they might blow up it, and that's just not them but it built up to that point where you know, they are so competitive and they want it so bad for themselves that it just didn't go their way and then they have that reaction or there's the guys that are always high and you know it's just they don't change either so uh yeah they're they're all competitive and i think it just the, the difference with pro game and in college is in the lower level specifically like they're just trying to get to the next level and competing against uh you know their other um other guys on the team and other pitchers and then you get to the upper levels and it's you know there's families there's money there's there's different things involved which drive that competition i think up a notch or change it um it's not you know i'm not trying to get up there i've been up there but now i want to be more stable or it's just it's a different kind of competition and it's i think it stems more internally um just because there's are there are other factors in there and then when you break down you know referencing that 30 start breakdown it's like you know what can you learn out of the 10 bad ones or the 10 oh you know decent ones that you had to fight through a little bit to to try and find that next really good one um but it's there's just different circumstances i think as you climb the ladder and you know you, you're freshman in college you just want you want innings you want to play uh sophomore year seniors are gone and hey there might be a spot up for grabs you're going to compete with those other guys and uh it's that day-to-day -day, um battle i think there's there's the continuity of the more of a team aspect in college and high school that you'll see um not that these guys hate each other at the pro level uh you see a little bit more of the team aspect in the lower levels because that's kind of what they're they're coming straight from a college or whatnot um but you get to the upper levels and you see it it kind of changed a little bit um and they're all fighting for the you know, one of those you know, 26 man spots or 40 man offseason spot where you're an option um so you just see the competition go go in that route um but they're all they're all very uber competitive it's just they just show it in different ways yeah i've always always kind of wondered that even like when you coach in college like your, your kids are competitive but you're it's a, a little bit of a different animal like you're trying to make the conference tournament you're trying to get to the ncaa tournament like there's you know eventually like it, it's a dream that you want to get drafted or, or sign and play professionally but you're not you don't i don't think you necessarily think of it in those terms of you know you're going to be competing against other you know like your own teammates eventually and then i mean i suppose like anything else it same reason why I'm out of coaching, like things start to change in your priority shift. So yeah. you get a little bit more competitive on, on wanting to be a little bit more stable. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I never, I guess I never, I never would have thought about it that way. Um, <laughs> then the high school and college, like we all had to fight it. It's like, there's some guys on the team that, you know, it's cool if we win, but don't really care. They just want to know like what's coming up on the weekend or, you know, grateful for an opportunity and just how do you keep them motivated and keep the guys that are super mo motivated and competing like that's that's that was like a, a bigger struggle was just trying to identify that and trying to piece everyone and keep moving forward um but you would see those you know some of those competitions whether it's fall races or lifting strength you know strongman stuff or whatever you know, putting stats on fall ball or keeping up with you know, who's throwing more first pitch strikes in the spring, stuff like that to 
kind of rank guys and see where, where that competition and where that competitive edge would come, you know, who's trying to overtake the next guy. And uh, I always felt like it was hard to get the, get the guys that weren't necessarily, not that they're not bought in because they're there and they're doing the stuff as a team, but they're just not as invested or as competitive as uh, some of the other guys on the team. Yeah, there's nothing worse than the dude who goes 0 for 4 and you win a big game and he's acting like a freaking weenie in the bus, you know, all pissed off. Or the guy who goes 4 for 4 and you got you just took a a tough loss and he's, you know, he's all smiles and giggling with his, you know, girlfriend on the phone. Like, that was, just, I, I, yeah, that was the stuff that always wore me out in college. Like, we're just trying to win. Um, and it's interesting how that kind of changes a little bit as you get farther into your career where, yeah, winning always matters, but there is other stuff that that factors into the day-to-day. So, um, shoot, I had – all right, this is a question after. I want to take you back to your recruiting days. And – Obviously, you've got a ton of pitching experience at all different levels of baseball from Division three up to AAA. You've obviously been around those big league guys a ton. But put yourself back at Fordham or Siena because I think this is always in an interesting lens for people to hear it through because everybody runs towards the velocity as a part of the evaluation, right? And me and Keith obviously know that that's not the singular point of an evaluation for a pitching coach, but – you're showing up to an event. You're watching a guy throw. What are a couple physical things that you dial in on? And then what are a couple non-physical things that you dial in on during that evaluation process? Yeah. Uh, kind of misrecruiting a little bit uh, just for that. some of these aspects. But uh, I like showing up. We'll just start at the, at the beginning and like, see what the routine is prior to, prior to the start. Um, you know, what their whole process entails, how detail oriented are they? Um, is it quick? Are they showing up? They get there after I did and just race to get everything in, uh, get and go kind of stuff. Uh, or was it really methodical, planned out? Maybe not even tell the kid I'm coming. Um, and just show up, just talk to the high school coach and, you know, just happen to be there. Don't wear any logo stuff and just kind of hang out far away see what they really are like um when they get on the mound you know seeing what their routine is on the pen mechanically if i haven't seen them in person it's just been video try and lock in on the uh delivery and see how that transfers into the game and repeatability um and then evaluation if it's you know we're in lake point back then or fort myers and it's you go there to see a couple teams or identify a couple guys and then there's you're looking for a slot to fill and you don't see some of that early stuff uh you know swing and miss in zone i think is still a huge separator um velocity is very cool but the schools i was at sometimes you're just you're just not going to get those guys um so you're you know i I'd see in 86 to 88 at sienna it's like I'm going to write it down. I'm going to reach out, but I know I need to go find the 83 to 85, maybe a, a cool 86 every now and again. But hey, he got a lot of swing and miss on a changeup. He got swing and miss on a slider, and a lot of it was in zone. There's something that the hitters aren't seeing. 
Uh, that was something I learned a little bit more with, uh, with Kev at Fordham. It's the way he watches and the way he evaluates. He's ever seen him, uh, Diamond Nation or some of these bigger places. He'll stand kind of like he's hitting a little bit, like off to the side and right behind home plate. And like, what, what does it look like if I was hitting? Um, so I conversations with him and, you know, other hitting guys. And what do you look for? What makes a pitcher you know, nasty or intimidating and stuff like that? Um, I think that was something we did a really nice job with at Fordham. You know, obviously years prior to me and then the year and a half, uh, a couple of years I was there with Rob and Kev is you know, this is what we're looking for. We know we're not we're going to go for the big guys, but we know realistically we're not going to get them. But our niche is, you know, those 83, 84 to five, six guys that can spin a breaking ball. And we're going to when they get on campus, they're we're going to, you know, pound breaking balls. <laughs> that kind of was our was our deal. And uh but if I could see a guy who's getting a lot of swing and miss in zone, no matter what the pitch was, there, like, there was something there that they weren't hitting um, and recognizing. And I thought that would be that might be some a separator that would pique my interest and at least want to generate you know, some reach and um, you know a follow up or see him in person again. And, um, that's why the travel stuff I thought was always kind of interesting because. It's everyone's or it's most high school teams, best hitters on a travel team. And then they all meet at these places and play. So the lineups are, there's not, there's some gaps in some of them, but at least in these tournaments, um, you know, we're in a showcase setting. If guys got one inning or two ups and these guys are coming from some decent programs or some decent bats and they just keep missing. It's like, all right, there's something there that might not look attractive to a power five school because he doesn't throw hard, but you know, he's missing bats and throwing strikes and getting ahead of guys. And, you know, there might be some potential there, or some room to grow too. Yeah. It's interesting from the, from a hitter's perspective, one of the things that we always talk about is like swing and miss on strikes is a red flag. Like if you see a hitter and you watch him and he goes and swings and misses a bunch, it's like, oh, geez, that's not good. But to your point, from the pitcher's side of it, if a dude's missing bats at 84, 85 against good hitters, and you can look at him and be like, there's 15 pounds to put on that frame. He's going to be 87 to 89 at some point. Like, that's the guy that you can get that can be really successful. And I know you guys, have, specifically at Fordham, like, had a ton of success developing those guys and you know, had some pretty premium draft picks as well. So. That's uh, yeah. They had Kevin, Rob, and Jimmy. You know, they they were pounding. I think it was a, an arm a year was getting drafted. Um, sometimes a couple, and a bunch of them are still playing right now. And um, yeah, it's the same process. And they just kind of carved out this niche, and they knew what worked for them. And um, yeah, that was just it was a different way of looking at it. Just it's so easy to go to those things and just or go online and look at a profile or a video. It's like yeah, eighty six to eighty eight or I probably that's that's probably I'm dating myself now because it's been so many years recruiting, but 88 to 90 now or 90 plus, uh, you know, as a high school kid. And, you know, we weren't getting those guys. <laughs> if we were like something's wrong. So, uh, um, you know, what what why aren't they going to the ACC or SEC or you know whatever? But uh, yeah, that's I think you just swing and miss in zone. 
And then maybe like years ago, we just didn't know what ride or carry was. You know, guys blowing doors at 84. He's crushing the top of the zone. He's not trying to go there. It's just like, that's the way his ball's taken off. And guys see it. It's like they're on time, but not, you know, on time enough. And they're swinging and missing all day. Um, and that would change my lens on you know, evaluating hitters too, recruiting. You know, what's it, you know, what's this guy got or what's he doing, uh, differently that, Maybe he's just an outlier. He's got an elite characteristic that um, we were missing for so many years with our, you know, watching through our eyes. And now we can quantify with some of the technology that we have and some of the resources that are available. And, you know, with some of those early games at, at Lake Point, when you could go up to the tower and, um, you know, understand vertical break and horizontal, like what some interesting characteristics might be. Um, I think that's kind of where it started to make a change too. And then guys that could maximize that just kind of stood out differently, um, even without velocity. There's a dude in your organization. I don't know if he's still in the Twins organization, but he was at College of Charleston when I was at William Mary. Bailey Ober. He just and, pitched the other night against the Astros, game one. Yeah, so he is up, yeah. Well, he's one of those guys that – he what's he, 6'7"? Six, 6'9". Yeah, he's huge, and he's in college, and he's – he might say I'm lying, but he was 87 to 88. Like, he might show you a 90 here and there. At the time, he was a freshman. But he's just blowing freaking doors off our guys, and we had six draft guys in the lineup that year, and every one of them came back in and was like, it, the ball's not ending up where it's supposed to end up. And I think he was one of those guys that was before all the track man stuff um, where you could just tell there's something different about how that ball's carrying. And I don't know what his metrics are now, but he was one of those guys that it just didn't make any sense. But when you've got future draft picks coming back in and being like, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the ball, I don't know. It's not where it's supposed to be. Like I'm swinging at the ball that I usually hit and it's not there. Um, yeah, and then there'd be the same guys if we were in the first base dugout and right-handed hitters just keep fouling balls up and over my head. It's like, all right, there's just we just got to keep going up because they're not seeing it and it's just a late reaction. And um, yeah, that's you know, I spin circles sometimes. Like, why is this happening? Like, I don't get it. And then you know, fast forward a couple of years, and it's like, oh, no, that all makes sense now. So we're just able to quantify sure. stuff. Now. So I'm sure it has something to do with Bailey's release point and his height and the angle. And I'm sure it's a combination of things, but uh, yeah, he's yeah, got he some unique, always stuck out. Yeah. Unique characteristics. And yeah, it's not much. He's added a few, a uh, few ticks on Velo and it's still about the same. And the guys just said same thing, like that extra life, extra hop. The guys just come back and say, I see it, but I don't. And then by the time it, you know, it's too late and it's already by you. Yeah, he's shoved it on us a couple times. I'm sure he's a wonderful human, but I don't have fond memories of that guy pitching. Awesome, uh, dude. Gen generally didn't turn out well for the tribe when when Bailey took him out. <laughs> um, what characteristic stuff? When you're looking at a high school guy, what are some of the things that cued you like that there were red flags for you? Like not stuff wise, but if you went and watched a guy, 
stuff that made you maybe walk away or like second guess whether that guy's a recruitable dude. There was some uh, appearance stuff. It's just like not just the, like if you didn't look into it, like it was really hard to. I would hang around because I made the time and the effort to to come and just like like if there was like low motor or just low interest or you know, you're just not that you can't you know shoot the shit with your friends or uh, probably have to edit that out. But uh, like if you if you're just uh, yeah just you're not all the way in it um it was really hard to just be that fine because i'm the bridge to the head coach so i'm trying to sell the head coach on being the final decision maker um there could be everything on field or pitching wise checks out but you just see like how you interact with your teammates or lack thereof or your parents uh your interactions on a visit um are different than what i see on the field i just those would be some turnoffs, but you know, the appearance stuff. I just wanted the guys that I know would fit into what we were trying to do, or the guys I would I would want to be around. Um, you know, they enjoyed being there. Very meticulous on their routine, or you know, just had a process. Um, I feel like we could mold that process too and tweak it, but it was really exciting to see some you know, guys that just had that already established. Um, text phone calls demeanor on on how they communicated emails um emails got a little little more um just bigger at fordham just because recruiting we're just casting a bigger net so we're getting more interest uh it's in some of the other schools but just how you communicated um and then basically how you were with your parents on a visit or at a camp kind of kind of said a lot too um just being respectful and courteous. I think someone mentioned on here about the Gatorade and hand, like, might need a Gatorade. I don't know. Like that, that wasn't a really big turnoff. If you, if you needed a drink and you just, you didn't have time to go get it. Uh, or you don't have a car. Like, uh, so I never really cared much about that. It's just like, you know, be close. I sometimes close enough. Awesome. Thanks, mom. And just like keep going. Like it's kind of cool. Um, but it's, this is the nonverbal. It's you know, just look into it or not into it. You know, even if you, if they knew I was coming, like you don't have to put on a performance, but at least like look like you want to be there uh, on some kids. And that's why I like, I don't know, it was like a Rossi thing too. You just show up, put your lawn chair down and sit down the line and, and tell them you're coming, but they don't like, they're looking around and they can't find you because you're not wearing the green polo or whatever. And I'm um, down the line or, watch all pregame from my car and you know, I'm there early too. So I just like some of this stuff that just says a little bit more about you, but communicating nowadays with Twitter and or X and um, email and you know, a lot of the stuff that I think it just goes a long way. If you just put some thought into it and we've all gotten those chain emails or letters, it's dear coach and it's the wrong school. It's like, no man, like I'm at Albany and you're emailing, you know, Sanicki at Binghamton. It's like, uh, come on, like, like just put the right school or, um, you know, double down on what you're, you can have the same email. Just make those changes and, um, get right to the point, but just be interested. I think that's, 
if you're just reaching out to reach out, I think there's, you know, it's just on the wrong foot. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Pulled out chair down the line. Keith, Keith has thrown that one out there a couple times. Coach Rossi special. It's the best. Like you see way more. And then like, I could even see kids like looking around. It's like, I'm all the way over here. And you had no, uh, it's kind of the cool thing. Like just see how they really are without having to put on a show. Yep. You did it for 55 years. You, you, it's going to know. He sticks out though. Like I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't buy all the stories on guys not knowing. <laughs> Why is this old, like random old guy just <laughs> down the line? He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, gonna bad. listen to this. And be like, oh, are you? Yeah, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a call. You're gonna get a call after this gets released, and he's gonna bust your balls. That's fine. But um, all right, we'll wrap this up. Last question: What advice? Because this this question we asked everyone, and this one still is true. What advice would you give to somebody who is looking to go play college baseball right now right now it's awesome uh it's way different than when we were coming up and looking at schools you can get a really good idea of what campuses look like programs uh there's a lot of good videos and there's just so many more resources now to get a, a good idea um of what you're interested in or what you might be interested or want to go um if you don't like the cold you don't look in northeast schools if you want to go to the beach and look at florida and be realistic on you know where you want to go and if it's maybe start out at juco and then go somewhere else but um i think being realistic and finding schools that you know, fit you academically as we've all said before but it comes down like you're going to get a piece of paper at the end of this and you know, you're going to go off in the real world and pro baseball is cool and it's awesome and um but it's not it's not going to be for everybody. I think finding out, identifying what you value and what you want to do. And it's fine if you don't know. Uh, I think that's the cool thing about exploring for four, you know, sometimes five years uh, in college is you start out in something, you don't really like it. and It's fine. You can change. Um, but finding that fit academically and financially, I think is going to help your parents too. Uh, and being realistic, on, you know, athletically, if you're getting interest from a wide range, then you're going to have to narrow that down a little bit. And um, hey, maybe I could walk on at a Division One or a Division Two, or I could play all the time at a Division Three. And I really enjoyed my Division Three experience. And you know, keep you know, coach, you know, head coach at a D three, and so did Andy. So it's like you kind of you know what you're. Uh, still baseball, it's still very competitive, and um. And I like seeing going and seeing places. Uh, growing up in that area, Peninsula, Virginia, really good Division three schools, really good Division one, uh, Division one. So going out and seeing those schools play and seeing how you stack up. Um, I always would try and go to see BP or some pregame. Um, that's another opportunity to maybe like say hi to a coach, check in. I know, you know local guys would know. Uh, at least at senior, maybe some cross coverage um, of the local high schools, but you know, see what BP's like, see what you know, how the guys interact and move around, and does that fit a one, what you want to do? Is the coach yelling and all that stuff? Like, is that a turnoff for you? Is 
how they do things, not with what you want to do or what you envision. Um, going to college camps, I'm not affiliated to a college anymore, so I don't have to plug a camp, a college camp, but it's when you're narrowing it down, I know it's not you know financially possible to go to every campus and school that you want to, but hey, Coach Larson, I'm really interested in Fordham and I'm coming to camp. I'd like to, you know, looking forward to showing you what I can do. And if I could talk to you at the end of it, that'd be great kind of thing. You get a visit out of it and see, you know, tour the campus and get on the field, interact with us um, as coaches and maybe some other players that are working it and pick their brains too. And uh, I just think there's so much value in that because you see yourself on this campus in a year or two? The answer is no. Then, like, it's not money wasted. It's well spent. And you just look for the next thing. Um, and I think that's what you guys do a great job of, of trying to narrow down that, help these student athletes like, identify what that fit would be. Uh, not only from your coaching background, playing background, but just the connections you guys have. I think it's just huge. It just helps be a little more realistic and. Uh, narrow it down a little bit to to make that process. I'll call it stress free, or you know, there's some anxiety and some you know, big question marks to it. But I think that's what you guys you know, provide and you know, really benefit these kids with. And I know you guys push them to go to campuses and get them in front of these coaches. And I think it's a really good opportunity. But anytime I, you know, plug or do anything, it's see what a whole pregame or you don't need an official visit to go to these, you know, go to these things. It's most campuses, you know, except for Fordham where you have to pay to park. Uh, you can go, you can get on campus and park for free and, you know, show up. And you know, for the most part, they're doing stuff an hour and a half, two hours before. And you get a look for free, hang out for a couple innings and you're still home for, for dinner or whatever else you got going on. So if you have the resources and there's schools around everywhere, that, you know, check out different levels and, and see what you know, other opportunities there might be other than, um, you know, the, the big schools that everyone sees year in, year out, which are great. And they do a really nice job. Uh, but there's a lot of other schools that do great work, too, and you know, can provide a really good experience, uh, both on the field and off. Well said. Well said, my friend. Coach Glass, you got anything else to add? Uh, no, I, I have nothing else to add. You nailed that last question. And the questions in between, too. <laughs> well, Coach Larson, I want to personally thank you for taking time. It's been wonderful seeing your smiling face. Uh, I know it was a long season for you, and we've been looking forward to having you on here for a while. So really appreciate your time. I'm jealous that you get to hang out with Keith on the weekends, uh, on occasion at least. But you're the best man. Super cool watching you, you know, take on this journey up at AAA. I'm excited for whatever the next step is for you. You're the freaking man. We love you to death. Um, and can't thank you enough for coming on. I think it just means you need to come up to the rock, Andy. I'd just throw that out there. It's, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. I'm going to bring the pup up, bring the wife up. We'll get the crew together. Get it together Go have a good time. I want to get, I got to get a garbage plate. There you go. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank All you right. guys. Appreciate it. Yeah.
All right. See you guys. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, hit the follow button, subscribe, smash it. Smash, throttle, all the throttle. Things. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, EMD Baseball. If you want to learn more about what we do to help families, go to emdbaseball.com. Thanks again, Petey. We love you. Till next week. Thanks, everybody.